welcome to another episode of A Novel Evening. My name is Danny. You can find me over on Instagram as at Blotted Ink Books. And for this week's episode, I am really, really excited um, because I am joined by Lucy Holland, who is the author of the incredible Sister Song. Um, I read Sister Song almost a year ago now, which is absolutely crazy, um, when it came out in its glorious hardback, um, looking gorgeous. And I really fell in love with the world that Lucy created within the pages, the sister relationships and dynamics that were kind of written throughout. It's a really beautiful story. Um, and I hadn't read much fiction that was kind of rooted in kind of ancient Britain, really. So that was really, really cool. Um, and I'm very, very excited to chat with her all about Sister Song um, and, of course, about her novel evening. So a huge, huge hello to Lucy. Hi. Hi, it's so nice to be here, Danny. Thanks so much for inviting me to chat on your show. Oh no, thank you for for coming on for uh, taking time out of your Friday night. <laughs> oh my God, my Friday night is uh, yeah. I come back home from work and it's like, um, do I play some more Hollow Knight? Do I catch up on my favorite anime? That's that's my like ideal night in. Uh, actually, my ideal night. Let's just leave it at that. My it's ideal night. night. Yeah. Uh, what is Hollow Knight? Please tell me more. Oh, it's I'm a bit of a gamer. It's a platformer. Um, I've, I'm about like 20 hours in. So uh, it's, it's platformer gaming is not my usual go-to. I tend to like RPGs, um, fantasy RPGs mostly, like Dragon Age, Skyrim. I played about 1700 hours. Oh my God, did I say 1700 hours? I meant 20 hours of Skyrim. <laughs> I played very little Skyrim. To be fair, I've played quite a lot of it, but I didn't finish it. I got very stuck on the last mission and committed that cardinal sin of just giving up. What? Oh, it's not too bad. Skyrim. Oh, I know. There's like, there's so many. Th- I mean, I have so many mods these days that, you know, I haven't played Skyrim for a couple of years because I have played it a lot. And I feel like, you know, there are a lot of new games that I should really be giving my attention to. Oh, are you trying Elden Ring? Will you branch into that? I am hesitant about Elden Ring because I've just, well, so I tried Sekiro and it was so difficult and so depressing that I gave up. And I'm not like a terrible gamer. I'm, I'm, I quite like a challenge, but it was so unforgiving um, that I, you know, like, you know, and someone said that there's no pause button in Elden Ring. And I was like, no, I'm not up for that. I'm not up for no pause button. Like, what's oh, that about? No, no, no. I had not heard this. And that is not, that is not how I, I want easy mode. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I like, I mean, I don't play on story mode, but I love the fact that games have story mode that, you know, like for something like Dragon Age, it's rich narrative content. You're there for the characters and their relationships and there's just the, the cool epic narrative thing. I love that. And I love the combat too, but you know, sometimes it's great that there's this mode that you can turn on and be like, I'm just here for the story. <laughs> I do love that. And I have to say, I do like a skip option as well. And not a lot of games have that, but I'm here. I think uh, GTA is a game that I play a lot of. And I do like the opportunity to skip something that I can't do. More games should have that. (laughs) For people like me who give up really easily on things. Yeah, I mean, like, it's about accessibility, isn't it? And I just feel like, yeah, no, I, mean, I mean, I've read a lot of stuff about this, you know, like, the, you know, um, from I think it's from Software who made um, Elden Ring. They're saying uh, it's the same as Dark Souls, etc. Like, that's that's got a reputation for being like a nasty game. Yeah you know that it just punishes you and I, I'm not sure how I feel about that I think that it's fine I think there's clearly um, you know a caliber of gamers out there who that is that is their thing and that's fine um, I just just like the idea you know the pause button I find that friendly I find that accessible if someone is you know ye- yelling from the other room and I need to see who's killing each other then I need to go and do that like the yeah. game is not everything um, so yeah you know I, I kind of come down on the 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 more buttons for accessibility, the better. (laughs) I agree. And obviously fantasy kind of segueing here. You're obviously very keen on your fantasy. I can see your Middle Earth poster in the background there. And obviously you have written a gorgeous, glorious little slice of fantasy in Sister Song, which I 
I absolutely loved, um, which I felt was kind of sort of the magic of nature for me. Do you, how would you kind of foresee Sister Song? Did you imagine it as kind of more high fantasy when you first pictured it or was, did the magic kind of come into it slowly? How did it kind of start? It's really interesting you say that because um, when I first heard the ballad, because Sister Song is based on the two sisters, yeah. uh, which is a famous murder ballad, and a murder ballad is is basically how it sounds. It's a ballad about murder, and <laughs> generally murder is the central uh, the central event. Um, but when I first heard it, I was writing my fantasy trilogy, which is high fantasy, epic fantasy, very secondary world. And I just thought, oh, well, you know, I do want to do a retelling of this ballad, but I'll just set it in a secondary world because that's what I do. And um, it wasn't until later and I'd become a bit disillusioned with epic fantasy and the fantasy genre. It was one of the reasons I, you know, agreed to jump on board with, you know, our intersectional feminist podcast, because we felt that a lot of creators especially women, were being overlooked, um, you know, in favour of the more kind of traditional. Yep. <laughs> I wasn't going to go into it, but you know what I mean? There is yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of like old school fantasy out there. And I'm fortunately, when I started publishing, um, I did run afoul of that a bit. And I thought, okay, well, for my next project, uh, I might want to take a step away from super hardcore fantasy mm -hmm. and maybe do something like historical fantasy, which allows you to be a little bit more, well, in a way, a little bit more creative um, with, with things like magic, because uh, I think very often with secondary world fantasy, magic is so much a part of the world and a reader expects magic to be present uh, to be woven in and that's fine and that's kind of how I'd, I, I'd written my first trilogy but with Sister Song um, the very first thing I did was was write it straight like without any magic uh, very wow. very little very little magic to see kind of like how it would turn out and um, and it was okay I, I couldn't sell it um, with the the kind of very little magic in it and I think I worked with my editor and you know and she suggested that it would be better if it had more magic in it so I went back and I did a, a new draft and I thought about how I could incorporate magic organically into a historical setting but make it seem like it was always part of the setting um, without the magic being overwhelming I didn't want it to overwhelm the story and then that's how, um, you know, the sister song in its current incarnation came about, really. I love the fact that when I was reading it, it felt to me as though I genuinely could be reading about a time in British history where magic did exist and that we've just lost it. Like along the way, magic just became lost. And I really loved that it felt like it could be palpable. You could really have this world that we've forgotten about, that magic was real. Yes, that's the part of Merlin and Arthur that I really like. So, you know, the BBC Merlin with um, yep. like Colin Morgan. Oh, my God. I say I'm a big fan of this um, series. You know how the very last scene is like Merlin as a genuinely old man. I know he dresses up as an old man, but he's like a genuinely old man. And he's walking past like Avalon and there's a car going past. And it's like, you know, you get that sense that the magic was there but now we've moved on and we're in this modern age and it's slumbering somewhere deep under the hills and in the valleys and you know maybe it will wake up maybe it won't and I quite like that idea I like the idea of you know the sleeping king or the, the you know the slumbering entity and maybe they will ride again at the world's ending but for now we we just have this world full of technology, um, you know, and, it, and I, I think maybe because magic and nature for me go quite hand in hand too. And obviously living down in, down in Devon and places in the West country that are very rural and still have that sense of the wild. I think it's easier to imagine it. 
Yeah, no, I think that's true. I mean, I go on about like living on the Jurassic Coast and living near Dartmoor and there's there's a lot of history and mostly mythology um, surrounding this area. And I did quite a lot of like Sister Song is a local book. It's set right here in my hometown in Sidmouth in East Devon. Um, but, you know, like it also draws on the history of Tintagel, which is about 70 miles away in Cornwall. Um, you know, and that that is... Um, you know, it was a really important settlement in its day, um, but it, you know, it later became kind of wreathed with um, Arthurian myth. And uh, I really, the thing that I found most interesting about writing Sister Song and actually just beginning to get into historical fantasy is how mythology and history intersect. And there comes a point where you can't quite find the line between the two so many people believe that king arthur was a genuine british king from you know hundreds yeah. of years ago um and you still find people who think that and you know there's no evidence to say that there, there was a, a king arthur most likely he's a, you know a folk hero he's an amalgamation of several different historical figures um but the the legend is so powerful um, it's it was so powerful that the Saxons, the Anglo-Saxons, like, adopted King Arthur as their own, like to, to like part yeah. of their own mythology. And it's like, whoa, hey, he was a British king. Yeah. And I think especially uh, my parents live in Ireland and we, we visited quite a lot. Again, the myths there are so woven into true history. It's so hard to tell what is what is real and what isn't, because it's come down so far in stories and you know, King Arthur, like you say, I think there are people out there who think that he was a king, there was a Guinevere, the magic stuff wasn't real, but he was. And it feels like with the characters in your book, it really does feel like they could be, you know, real figures. Certainly, you know, figures that you could read about where the lines are a bit blurred. And I love that. And it also is very dark, I have to say, without giving any spoilers away. I, there was a moment halfway through the book where I literally gasped and had to just shut it and walk away. And I imagine you probably know the bit that I'm talking about. <laughs> Did it ever feel kind of risky when you were writing it to kind of take that? Because it's a really dark kind of path that it goes on. Is that hard to write? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure this is the the, the transformation scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the thing is, because it's based on a ballad, and that is the crucial part of the ballad. This, this the, the harp transformation is. I knew I was working towards it from page one. Yeah. So the thing is, because the ballad is, it's simply a story of you know of female sexual jealousy, sibling rivalry. Um, it's quite patriarchal in that sense that, you know, it has these two women, they're the main characters, and yet they're fighting over a man. And this is what the man comes between them. And we've heard this story so many times. And you would think it would be a kind of straightforward story if it weren't for the transformation element at the end. And that's the part that really got me you know interested in the whole the whole concept I thought it was so strange like so strange it's very um, strange it's very, very unsettling strange. to read I'm yeah well that's cool that's, that's, that's good, good. It's that's very unsettling to write <laughs> <laughs> it's meant to be unsettling and I yeah I've never read anything like that before <laughs> It is, it's um you know without giving too much away it's it's a bit of body horror that I I don't usually write body horror or anything like that um but it, in this case it is and I when I listen to it in the in the ballad it glosses over it it just oh. says you know she became a harp and it's like they made a harp and um it doesn't really you know it doesn't go into this and I I kind of thought well that's a bloody process isn't it yeah. you, you can't just you know it's not they you know like it's not that someone waves a magic wand and then, you know, like her entire form is changed. Um, so I thought, no, that's disingenuous. You know, that's if it's something so that is a big change to for someone yeah. to go from human being into musical instrument. Like there, there's, you know, I, I really felt like there it had to be shown and it had to be it had to have some emotional kind of punch to it. But the problem is, by that point, I become very attached to the characters. 
Yeah. They weren't just characters in a in a ballad for me anymore. They were people I'd created to to people this world that you know I I had built. So I feel like and and it's interesting because reviewers have said the same thing that they feel that that scene is the one really jarring part of the book. They in in a way it doesn't quite fit with the rest of the story, and I find that so interesting because. It, in a way, it's true. You know, when you, you you do a retelling of something that is quite well known, and retellings are so popular at the moment, everybody is doing them. Um, you have this, you know, the skeleton of of the story, but especially with the Trois Sisters, there's there was so much more. I needed to do so much character building and world building to get up to that point. You know, the so called murder, which comes, you know, three quarters of the way through the book. So like, this is the problem. You end up, um, you know, creating something that is very much your own. Mm-hmm. And then you have to, you're suddenly back into the, the ballad again. You're back into the story that you, you know, you're meant to be retelling. And it's almost like, oh God, this is someone else's story. You know, this is, I've made this my own now. Um, so it's interesting that people kind of picked up on that. And they were, th- you know, thought that this is the bit that, in a way doesn't fit with the rest of the story uh, and I, I think that's so fascinating. I definitely think when you said the word jarring I find that interesting because actually I think it's meant to be like you say it's such a, a horrific moment an image and like you say you're it's almost the, the realistic side of what this would be like mm. and I think the fact people feel uncomfortable by it's probably a good thing <laughs> yeah. in terms of the story because I think the reality of it with a lot of these kind of folk tales and songs there's quite often like a gruesome undertone that's kind of glossed over a bit and when you see the real you know side of what it would be like I think it is quite yeah quite disturbing <laughs> I know I'm, I'm trying not to do too many spoilers but honestly the Twa Sisters is is like it's out there you can find it it's half the people who've read the well actually most of the people who've read the book actually haven't listened to the ballad which I can see why that would come as a horrible, horrible surprise. Um, really horrible. But I, I had approached it as if people knew it already. I really right. thought more people knew it. I had never story. heard of it. Yeah, no, I had never <laughs> ever heard of it. So, and I, I did do a bit of sort of Googling as I was reading. I was like, oh, I haven't heard of this. Is this a real song or has this been written for the book? So I was reading about it. But yeah, I think, and like you say, it's kind of glossed over a bit in the song itself. And you're like, oh, I think I imagine like Cinderella. Oh, and then she became a harp. <laughs> Whereas actually, yeah. it's not so nice being turned into an instrument. No, I mean, the line is, he made a harp of her breastbone and then it began to play alone. And I was like, oh, um, you know, that's quite an achievement to make <laughs> a harp of somebody's breastbone. I mean, you're going to have to dismember them in a pretty you know a pretty gruesome way like this is this is getting into like fairly dark territory and I just felt like well you know if you're going to do justice to the the ballad you kind of have to show that stuff because I I felt like I you know I hadn't set my magic up to be a wave of a wand and stars the magic and sister song is it's magic of the earth it's of the land it's organic you know it's about the living and the dead it's about the seasons it's about you know winter giving way to spring and and the death and the rebirth and and so that's why you know something like this you know crucial scene I felt like it couldn't be in any way a sort of you know fairy dust moment um because it's not it's actually very traumatic um and and I thought the 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 ballad is very traumatic um and you know, I, I kind of felt like I didn't want to lose any of the, the potential power that, you know, could be brought out of a scene like that. It wasn't easy to write. I definitely had some toing and froing about, you know, just how gruesome to make it. Um, but, you know, like it, it, it is what it is. Uh, it, I very I, much I, enjoyed it. I felt, uh, <laughs> is that the sentence I should say? I very much enjoyed the uh, the butchery scene. Um, but I felt it worked really well and I don't know if you're allowed to tell me are you working on anything else at the moment yeah um I am I um 
began working on it last year. Um, it is a very loose, a very loose follow up. It's not really, I only call it a follow up because it's set in the same world uh, as oh, Sister wow, Song. Okay. Um, it's set about 180 years further on in time. Ooh. So kind of around 705 AD. Uh, it's set in a similar part of the country, uh, but we're mostly moving around to like Glastonbury Tour now. So it's a kind of the Somerset. It's, it's a retelling or reimagining of the wild hunt myth, um, which if people have read Sister Song, they will know that I, I retold it in Sister Song. Yes. So oh, one of I'm the really intrigued. Okay. Well, I was sure we keeping my eyes peeled because that I just from that little bit, I'm like, ooh, I like yes. they do a follow on that's not a direct sequel, but it's just set in the same world and the same. Will there be a little bit of magic? Oh, God, this one is much more magical. <sighs> yeah, it's more magical because the wild hunt itself is more magical. Uh, and the myth of it is I've drawn a lot of Welsh mythology for this book. Huh? Um, because the, the wild hunt is well it's Cornish it's Welsh it's Irish there's a, there's a version of the wild hunt Polish like my god it's everywhere but it's a very you know also Germanic too it's also part of the Anglo-Saxons mythology so it's it's a very very well-known myth um, but the yeah I, I as soon as I kind of read about it I thought it's there's something really interesting it's got this very um, famous motif that crops up in a lot of different folk tales about a mortal, generally a king, going into fairyland and spending three days there and coming out and finding that three centuries have passed. And then with the wild hunt, you know, this person is then, he becomes the leader of the wild hunt. He's doomed to ride forever. Mm -hmm. um, and I really, I thought the what would you do if you were that person and, you know, you went in there thinking you were going to be there for three days and you went in there for a purpose. And when you came out, everyone you loved is dead. Your people are dead. The land has completely changed beyond recognition. And how would you continue? How would you pick up the pieces of who you are? So that's the, mm. the idea. Okay, I really like that idea. That's a big question. And I'm really excited to, uh, to, I'm really excited just from that snippet. I cannot wait. And when you said more magic, I was like, yes, give me all yes. of that earthy magic. I'm so excited. Yeah. That, that, the earthy magic will make, will make a reappearance um, because there's a, yeah, there's a certain kind of, um, obviously I can't talk too much about it because it also, you know, references Sister Song um but you know there is a certain kind of continuation if you're familiar with reva's story who's one of the one of the sisters in sister song and the choices that she makes at the end of the book uh will they those choices bear fruit you know in the next um in this so. follow-up further down the line so there there is a little there are links to to sister song in it but it is it is a, a different story with with new characters <laughs> Oh, so exciting. Well, on that note, we should probably talk about your novel evening, the reason you've come on here. Uh, and I have zero clue what to expect. Some guests come on and I'm like, oh, I think I kind of know what they're going to like, go for. But I've been really surprised recently. So I'm excited to see what you've come up with. So to start with, where are we going to be going? Okay, so I could have picked a lot of places uh, for this, but I thought let's keep it kind of relevant to what. I, so I've been reading um, a lot of really good books, actually, this year, uh, and a lot of publishers have been sending books um, to me to blurb, um, and which is great because I do get to read uh, a lot of books that haven't you know been published yet. Um, and one of them was Dark Earth by Rebecca Stott, and this is coming out in June. And it is a, it's set in like the sixth century, very similar time to Sister Song. Mm -hmm. um, and it's set in like in and around the ghost city. And the ghost city is Londinium, London, Ooh. which was abandoned by the Romans. And Rebecca has done the most incredible research for this book. I, I mean, uh, I it just put me to shame I was like oh my god you know 
people say, oh, you've done so much research for Sister Song. And I'm like, wow, I've done no research compared to this book. It's so detailed. It's so beautiful. And the whole, I, you know, when people talk about setting as character, or the, the, it is very much like one of those instances, the whole, the setting of this ghost city, the echoes of the people who once ruled there, who've, you know, it's all just fallen into ruin, but the, but the echoes of brighter days still remain. And I love that. And I thought that would make a really interesting setting for a dinner party. Oh, yeah, that's atmospheric, isn't it? OK. Yes. Oh, exciting. Oh, you know, I see. Fallen, <laughs> fallen Imperium and stuff like that. Yeah, surrounded by like the ruins of this, this potentially glorious city that's kind of Oh, I love it. Okay. It's a dinner party. So we are imagining we've got a big old oak table amongst these ruins. Yes. Yes, definitely. I think it has to be, well, it could be a dinner party. It could be a bit of, it could have like an element of the, of the masked ball about it, but it can't be too spalling because of course, like the city itself is falling apart and there are probably only certain rooms that you can go in where the, you know, <laughs> the ceiling isn't going to just fall in on you. I quite like that. purposes, we can only <laughs> use three rooms. <laughs> and a okay. lot of it is open to the stars, you know, it's romantic, it's like Beautiful. crumbling. And it's Britain, so we really need to pick a dry evening. Yeah. <laughs> of which we do, there are we few. Do. <laughs> yes. Okay. So maybe like June, June, June or July. June, July safer. time. <laughs> okay. So who is the first person you're going to welcome into the ruins? Okay, this is like the point where no, you know, you're not going to be at all surprised because I'm just going to pick all my favourite like literary crushes. <laughs> I am so here for this because that is literally all I would do for my evening. <laughs> okay, I do have some real people as well, but literary crushes always come first, right? Yeah, of it's, course. You know, fictional. Um, okay, so uh, first one is Wei Ying from The Untamed. Ooh, I no have to the Untamed. I really need to. It's been on my list for forever. Oh my god! Yeah, um, I I discovered this before the craze, so I didn't have anyone to talk about it with because the Untamed wasn't made available on Netflix at that point, and I was watching the. So I I came across the animation of it. And then that led me to the web novel. And so I read the, the web novel and like, but nobody else was talking about it. And I was like, am I the only person who thinks this, this is the most amazing story ever? Um, and then, and then of course it like, you know, like exploded across the world and everybody is talking about it. But um, yeah, Wei Ying is now one of my like favorite characters of all time. I absolutely love a rebel necromancer. It's possibly my favorite. If I had like a trope, then that would be. <laughs> My re rebel necromancer, like raising the dead, you know, like doing it against the the advice yes. of everyone else. I just love it. It's so hot. <laughs> Perfect. And you know what? This is the ideal setting to have your rebel necromancer turn up into. Yeah, the ghosts. Yeah, the ghost city. It's perfect. He's going to bust out some tricks while we're there and show us some magic. I'm down. I'm down for this. Okay, so crush number one has arrived. <laughs> Okay. You are ready for crush number two. I'm ready. This feels like blind and, date. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is the embarrassing thing because this is where I was like, Lucy has a type, and the type is for my favorite fictional characters, always the same. Raceslyn Magia from Dragonlance. I have not heard of this series. Tell me all about it. Okay. Them. Oh god, Dragonlance is ancient though, and it really shows my age. It's been going for years. Like it's it's something I read first when I was a teenager, and it had already been out for years before that. So like it's yeah, we're looking at like I don't know, 80s now. Probably. Oh wow. Okay, it's been it's, out. Wow, okay. Dragonlance is like a whole it's Forgotten Realms. It's like it's, it's a it's a franchise, it's a massive franchise. Uh, but Raceland Majir is has was my favorite character. I mean, up until I point where I met like Wei Ying, I was like, yeah, these two are now like my favorite characters of all time. He's just a really again, he's a dark mage, he's cantankerous, he's <laughs> genuinely evil. Um <laughs> and, and also really very hot. traumatized. Like, well, not that hot, actually. It's more his personality that I find. He's very mysterious, he's very well spoken and enigmatic, very intelligent um really quite uh yeah very very ambitious not that nice really not that nice but it's just why it kind of makes him like my favorite character and I probably have to have because they're both dark mages 
I, I do need to have like my I need to fill out my dark mage quota somehow I'm a big fan yeah. of dark mages I've got to say I'm sensing a theme here <laughs> Yeah, yeah. okay no, he ruins with all these right. like dark brooding sexy guys <laughs> okay 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 it's number three right i have not finished yet. how many crushes are there and how many real people are there okay well this is okay right this is the uh okay this is like yeah the, the, everyone else from now on in is, is okay. real so okay but last last one morodsko from Catherine arden's yes yeah, so the win- winter king win- the winter king <laughs> I, I do get this one. I do get Thank this you. one. Because there's something really vulnerable about him. Yes. As well as him being quite dark and brooding and dangerous, there's still this like fragile side to him. Yeah, I can get on board with this. Excellent. Yeah, there we go. They're <laughs> my three. They're my, obviously, I do have a type and they're all dark brooding, possibly, possibly evil, you know, sometimes. Um, Ray Lynn, he's always evil. Um, but the others have got generally they're good hearted. So you've really know. gone for like the the bad boys who yeah, maybe yeah. you can redeem. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the type. Yeah, I know. I used <laughs> it's funny because you know, like I don't actually I don't write heroes or villains. I don't believe in heroes or villains. I don't think they exist. I always think, you know, people have motives and whether other people deem those motives good or bad, like it's very hard to put labels on people so I'm always drawn to you know people who you know like I think that my favorite types are like the weighing types where they're fighting against authority because like I I have I'm the kind of person like that I like I, I mean I respect authority when I think that authority is deserving of respect but there are occasions where rules are just stupid and you know you break them because they're stupid and that this is the character these are the characters I like the people who are like you know the opposite of the paladin the opposite of the yes. shining knight who just obeys without question I like the yeah. ones who say no there's another way to do this and it might be a dark way and it might be somewhat morally gray but let's try it out <laughs> and let's just see like what that. happens I have a feeling when yeah. you played Skyrim, were you a member of like the Assassin's Guild or? <laughs> Always. I'm, I'm going to take that as a yes. Yeah. Did you not see my Instagram story the other day? <laughs> I, no, I found, I found a dark brotherhood, a dark brotherhood hoodie in the wardrobe that I ordered when I was like obsessed with Skyrim. And it literally has a, ha- a bloody handprint on it that says, we know. And I was like, do I keep the hoodie? Do I ditch the hoodie? Yeah, you what always do I do keep the it? hoodie. You always keep I did. That. <laughs> I did keep it, everyone. So Rita, she kept the hoodie. It's gone she back kept in the, the water. Hoodie. Okay, so we've got our we've got our crushes who potentially yeah. could cause some cause some trouble at this at this event. I'm here for it though. Who are the real people joining us at the ruins? Right. Um, I thought we needed to balance this out with yeah. some, you know. I don't like to use the word badass, but I'm going to possibly use it here. Badass women. Yes. Um, yes. Powerful women. We need some. Yeah. I feel like they, there's got to be, there's got to be some kind of balance here. So the first one that made me think is Anne Lister, Gentleman Jack, because I love this series and it's just come back on TV and like, who doesn't love, like, I mean, she wrote her diaries in code, you know, like, I mean, that was obviously to protect herself, but it's also so cool. Very cool. Um, just a great, just a great character. And I know this is a kind of, she's half fictional, but half real. Obviously, Anne Lister is real. You know, the creation that most people are familiar with is fictional, but the way that these two intersect, I think is really fascinating. And it's created this fantastic character that everyone can, I feel like everyone can get on board with. Everybody. Also, her wardrobe is just... <sighs> Oh, good, right. The coats, the coats, the coats. That's all I'd want to be like. Can you tell me where you get your coats from? (laughs) Let's talk about this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She needs to bring all the coats. And the problem is, uh, she looks very tall, and I I am very short. So I'd have to have all my coats like tailored massively. Yeah, I just have it dragging across the ground with long sleeves, like I'm wearing my mum's coat. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It wouldn't look as cool, would it? Let's face it. They're playing dress up, just walking along this little coat. I no. she is an excellent choice and actually I think she'd get on very well with your three other guests so I think she's got a, a rebellious side hasn't she yeah and no, I think she does and a potentially dark side as well so hmm. you know she's yeah she's a very interesting very interesting character she's a, definitely um you know not above manipulation 
No, I agree. I agree that. Okay, so she's arrived in her fabulous coats. Who's coming next? Well, then I thought maybe we needed some interesting female rulers from like from history. So I've always thought Eleanor of Aquitaine was a fascinating queen. I absolutely agree. And I think she's really, I hate to say underrated, um, but I think there's the queens you always read about. I mean, I've got Anne Boleyn and Marie Antoinette tattoos, so I can't judge too highly, but she was a fierce queen. And the thing she went through. Right. I know. Yes. Lived till 82 in like, you know, died in like 1200, you know, 82. Was it how? Just... How did she live to that age with how she was treated? That is just pure stubborn will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing and all the times that she could have died in childbirth and didn't. I mean, like that's. Yeah. She's one hardcore lady. And also, I mean, like being the mother of Richard the Lionheart, she was married to the French king. She was married to the English king. Like she was the power. She'd have so many amazing stories. Yeah. In all those years. Yeah. It's amazing. In fact, I went to I think it's I want to say Fontefleur Abbey. The way it's in France where she's where she's buried yes. I went to see her too um it was very cool <laughs> oh my goodness that would be the dream I thought there's something about tombs whenever I seem to go it's I don't know it's really moving isn't it in a very strange sort of way but I love that excellent yeah. excellent choice I there's it's interesting because I just come back from Spain um Granada where we went and learned all about either the Reconquista and Ferdinand and Isabella who yeah. I didn't really know very much about um and their their two oh, we went to see their tombs and their tombs are in one of the, the cathedrals and um they're, they're buried, buried in lead coffins which are you know they're very plain yeah. and it's really interesting because above and and you know the whole catholic part of the kind of city is, is drenched in like opulence it's yeah, gold wall-to-wall gold wall-to-wall gold. <laughs> gold i mean it's awful because you can't you you know it's blood gold you know it's gold that they yeah. brought back from the americas you know people have died for this gold so it's it's very weird juxtaposition to see these really like small lead caskets where these people were you know where, where their bones remain and but all around them is this marble edifice and dripping with gold. And, and it, it's, it's, yeah, a very, it's a very strange experience. Oh, that's so, so strange. She's actually a queen that I would quite like to chat with, Isabella. I would quite Isabella. like to know what's true about her and what's not. Because there's a lot of stories. And again, with like Eleanor, I would love to know what Henry was really like. I want her to get some venom off her chest about Henry. <laughs> I think she needs to. I think she needs to have a chat <laughs> about him and old Rosalind. Yep. I think she needs to just get some of that out. <laughs> yeah, these women were like probably born before their time, really. They should have been. Uh... <laughs> literally, literally. Have you got any other guests coming? Have you got any more strong females well, coming? Yeah, when I was thinking of who, which I'm totally not going to be able to pronounce this correctly, but like um, uh, Wu Zetian from the China, the woman, the, the only Chinese empress in the whole history of China. Yes, uh, I would also not right? know how to pronounce that. <laughs> okay, but she ruled for 40 years, like yes. four, 40 years. And um, she re- remains today, there was no other Chinese empress. Um, like she was the only one uh, who ruled in her own name. And um, that, wow, and like there was, you know, if you, you read about her, like she was really bloodthirsty and like yeah. you know but also you know like China went into a golden age and it expanded its empire or expanded its even its its borders you know it was um you know she was definitely she made a mark you know on that country and yeah. I think that's and it's a really really long time ago we're talking about you know like Eleanor back at Wayne, like 1200 she was like ruling around you know the 700 like yeah it's mad isn't it when you think about it it's just my little girl has a book that is called um good night stories for rebel girls yes i know it rebel girls and she's featured in there and whenever i read it trying to wrap my head around how long ago that was is just madness and people don't give women enough credit for being bloodthirsty because we are yeah. no I mean I mean like when I say bloodthirsty I mean like she she purged the core of a lot of corruption yeah. so you know she wasn't like you know she wasn't above removing people who got in her way I mean I think a lot of people got in her way and she removed them and was yeah. okay you know doing so 
Yeah, this is someone who just wasn't here to, uh, you know, just look good on a throne. She was there to take power and and do her thing. I love it. And oh my God, those three women together. Right. So cool, but so terrifying. (laughs) So cool, but so cool. And I have one more person who I feel like would be like totally eaten alive um, by this company. Um, But I would obviously have to protect him. Um, is is Keats I so I love I love Keats uh, the poet Keats John Keats and um he's he's such a he's I feel like his his delicate soul was probably too delicate for the world that he lived in um and definitely this gathering (laughs) and definitely for this (laughs) gathering I kind of feel like you know you you always get at a dinner party you always get someone like you know I was probably one of it's probably like me you know the ones that hover on the fringes yeah that like you know most that 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 have a pen in their hands and they you know like you maybe not today but this is such a romantic image you know it's like you know hovering around like making notes about certain people and certain topics and it's, it's such a writer thing to do I feel like this you know every party needs someone on the fringes I kind of almost like a ghost in the ghost city he can yeah. just be there recording for posterity to he'd write, write something beautiful ode. as well after he'd sat and listened to the conversations he'd write some beautiful poem about that evening and very embarrassingly when I was um cleaning out my drawers the other day I found a short story that I wrote while I was at uni and it was it was about Keats like coming back to and being a you know like a muse and I was like Keats you're my muse and it's the most embarrassing story ever like it's I still have it no one's gonna see it because I will never live it down uh but I've just now told everybody about it so so (laughs) it's really embarrassing it sounds beautiful and I think at this dinner party you should absolutely read it aloud to him Oh my God. I know. Well, you know, the part of the story was, uh, you know, like uh, the, the, the person in the story, the girl in the story, <coughs> me, uh, <laughs> wakes up to find the poet Keats reading, like leaning over her desk, reading the essay on the romantic poets that she was writing before she went to bed. And it's like, I'm reading about myself in an essay. It's so meta, isn't it? <laughs> Oh my god, so embarrassing. Um, but yeah, I was I was kind of obsessed with the romantic poets. So I love that. I love that. And like you say, you would have to protect him protect and him. sit with him, <laughs> make yeah. sure he's safe. So is there anybody that you really do not want to show up to these ruins that is not welcome? Boris Johnson? I mean a few people have said that. <laughs> Well, it's just like he has a habit of turning up at parties with a bottle in his hand. I'd probably have the bottle, though. I'd say thanks for that. I'd take the drink and I'd now leave. <laughs> now you I'll never go. turn down free booze, ever. <laughs> so, so not, not, not you. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not much of a... I'm quite, quite a generally a welcoming person. I don't like people who... Okay, so I don't like super whiny people who, you know, there's always the whiner who like kind of goes on about how terrible their life is and then everyone feels depressed uh, and but also has to be feel like you have to be nice because, you know, they're obviously having a difficult time. So that would I probably want that that type of person Um, or extremely like boisterous, noisy guests, you know, like, I don't know. I feel like Napoleon could be like a, a noisy guest. Oh yeah, Napoleon. He just—it would just all be about Napoleon. He's got such little man syndrome, hasn't he? That it would just be. And you imagine him with like Eleanor and. Yeah. That would yeah, be no, fun I to watch, though. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe he can come. Just for- <laughs> maybe he can get like I was going to say cut down to size, but he's quite small already, wasn't he? So, but I think it would be good to have some strong women stand up to Napoleon. Definitely, sure. yeah. Oh, maybe like, maybe Rasputin. Maybe he shouldn't oh, come. He'd be a good no. choice for someone to exclude. I like. I'm saying all these historical figures because I'm kind of like remembering things that, like, for example, with Rasputin. I wrote an essay about him. I wrote like a whole dissertation on Rasputin because I just thought he was an interesting character. Uh, and That's he is one word very for Rasputin. <laughs> but also, yeah, very dark, very, yeah, did some very questionable things. He's not someone you'd want at a party. No. And also, he looks like he needs a really good bath. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to scrub it. Rasputin. <laughs> I know, I know. I was thinking of like the Anastasia film. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, but he's got like the nails and the, yeah. 
<laughs> I'd like his little bat friend though. He could come. He's very sweet. I know he probably wasn't there in real life. But... Oh, I love that. Oh, film. Rasputin. So yeah, nobody wants a Rasputin oh. at a party. Just, no. just throwing off all the vibes. He'd be, you know, you get that one awkward guest who does yeah. things and says things, and everyone else just silently drinks, hoping they don't yes! get looked at. That would be Rasputin. Yes. That would be though. That is absolutely the most. I yeah. Okay, we we, we sorted that. Please out. don't make eye contact with him. Yeah, that is a very 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 good choice, and I'm really impressed with your evening. I think you've got a good mix of the the dark mages and the super cool women in the room. How Lucy's Lucy's world intersects. It's like really fantasy, but then also super historical at the yeah. same time. I, that is very much my vibes as well. So I'm very much here for your evening. If I wasn't purely going to just choose people I think are hot, this is the kind of evening I would go for. <laughs> I mean, I mostly chose people I think are hot. <laughs> but they have got personalities. They have got, they've got something interesting about them. They're not just, you know, pretty boys or pretty girls coming along for the evening you've got a mix of people with some uh, interesting character traits so uh, thank you for, for sharing um and before you go I always ask people what are you currently reading do you have a current read um, weirdly I'm actually between and between reads and between reads I oh so what have I I've actually literally got some books like sitting here so I can even look at what I'm meant to be reading next. Um, yeah, so I've got a couple of ideas I want to read next. I really um, still, I really want to still get around to um, Gabriella Houston's The Wind Child. Oh my God, that's uh, a beautiful cover. So beautiful. Oh my um, God. And it's, so Gabriella um, has been on our podcast twice oh. and um, she wrote The Second Bell, which is an adult fantasy that came out last year. Um, but this is her middle grade debut okay. um, so and, and it's about it's full of like slavic mythology quite like the second that. bell so i'm quite into you reading that one um i've got i've got an irish an irish mythology one to read this is the children of gods and fighting men sean Ooh. lawless oh my god look at that as well i mean obviously this is a podcast if so people can't see it but it is so pretty i think so, proofs are getting prettier i think they know what they're doing <laughs> very oh, pretty that's going on my list straight away. So that's that one, um, that's that's coming out soon. That one's not out yet. Um, so that's good. I've I've still got Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death. Uh, I also um, have that to read. Right. I got that from a friend. I really need to read that because it sounds really cool. It sounds amazing, doesn't it? And I've that's got when I actually read it. I'll message you. Be like, have you read it yet? <laughs> I know it's just terrible. I've got. Oh my god, I don't even get me started on like my giant to be read pile. It's yeah. I can't jump. Mine's literally, oh. it was last time I counted, it was 200. And I know for a fact that's not gone down. <laughs> it's gone up, but we just, we just ignore it. Yeah. We just ignore it and buy more books. And I didn't need to, I've, I've bought another book as well. I bought the book of um, Taliesin, the, oh. the Welsh bard. So this is a, this is Welsh mythology. Is so that it's, inspiration? It's, yeah, it's research and inspiration. But it doesn't count. If it's research, it doesn't count. Yeah. It's allowed. It's a work. It's a workbook. <laughs> uh, that is my, I don't even have a job. And I'm like, I need this for research or I need to buy, I might be talking to them on my podcast, so I shall buy their other books. I need this. There's always an excuse to buy books. There is always an excuse to buy books. And the one that you can buy very shortly, which I also just finished reading, which is amazing, is again something I'm totally awful at pronouncing. Okay. Um, it's uh, Kaiki, which is a book by uh, Vaishnavi Patel. And it's about the, the vilified kind of uh, queen of uh, the Ramayana. It's, okay. a, you know, a Hindu mythology. Yeah. So that's that's out really soon. And uh, I yeah, if you... If you like the sound of that, um, we we just had her on our podcast, Grace oh. with the Glass Slipper, and it was a fascinating episode. And the book is brilliant. Um, so that's out really soon. So yeah, as you can see, I'm I read a lot of mythology. I um, love mythology. Give yeah, me all of it, mythology. all the mythologies. So that is also going to go on my list. I shall absolutely go and check out her episode as well. Yay! That's brilliant. So, Thank you so so much. So for anyone who's not following Lucy, you are over on Instagram mm -hmm, and on Twitter. I am on Twitter. 
you're on Twitter as well. I'll put the little links into the uh, the little bio of this episode and your podcast, Breaking the Glass Slipper. I'm assuming it's everywhere you can get your podcasts. It is indeed everywhere. We are. We were just celebrating yesterday our sixth birthday. So wow. <laughs> That's so cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Six years old. Six years old yesterday. Uh, thank you. You literally Facebook started memories. when podcasts started. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like they, they were they were out. But yeah, they weren't um, kind of weren't as like prevalent as they are. And mm. we we were pretty much the I'd like to say we were amongst the first of our kind um that we when we were because uh, we're basically focusing on women in speculative fiction, science fiction, fantasy and horror. Um, so you know that was there there are other podcasts that do similar things now but we you know wanted to we were the first ones who were thinking hey like you know there are way too many marginalized creators out there who are not getting the you know the visibility that they deserve so that's why we wanted to to start a podcast to try and celebrate them and I know for a fact that amongst the people who follow my Instagram there are so many for whom they will love that <laughs> as a podcast. So I'm absolutely advocating that everybody goes and has a listen. Um, I am trying to work my way through your six years. <laughs> mm, yeah, don't don't feel like it has to be done in order. I think just <laughs> one of those things where you're like, oh, that's a topic I find interesting, or that's something we try to do it thematically. You know, so you so can we dip have, in whenever you yeah. spot something that you're interested in. I love that. Well, thank exactly. you very much, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your uh, your Friday evening. Oh, thank you. I might go and load up some more games or make some tea. Um, yeah, really, really chill. Wild. Actually, I know it's wild. No, I actually need to make my colleague at work a leaving card, which is kind of sad, but it's also fun because I get to look back over lots of photos and make Will a you card. have a, a beverage while you do it? Um, because in that case, yeah. I think it still counts as a Friday evening. Yeah, I I probably have like a like a, a tea based beverage. A tea based <laughs> beverage. It's not quite as exciting. The thing is, I've already I've already had my glass of wine with dinner, so <laughs> I feel like I can't really go and get it out again. Oh no, I that that's not a rule in my house. <laughs> I just don't put it back in the fridge. No, it doesn't count. But thank you so much again. It's been an absolute joy to chat with you. Oh, it's so nice. Thank you so much. I've had fun. <laughs> Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 